Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Swing. We're back. <laughs> um, it's been a few months, Jesse. I think the last one we did was right before they went to Las Vegas for the Final Four of the NIT. So uh, that game didn't go great for Wisconsin. At least, I shouldn't say that. The first half went great. Second half, not so great. And not so great. But hey, we're not here to talk about what's in the past. We're here about to talk about the future. And it's a big future uh, that got even bigger for Wisconsin on Friday as four-star guard Daniel Freitag announced his commitment to Greg Guard and the Badgers. He is, and Jesse's going to break this down because he had an opportunity to, to talk uh, with Daniel. But in the internet rankings era he's the fifth highest rated commit in the Badgers history and the highest overall or the highest rated guard ever so the only players to be higher rated than uh, Daniel Freitag Brian Butch Sam Decker Joe Krabenhoff and Greg Schneemsma so what you're getting in Daniel Freitag is uh, a ton of upside you would think here Jesse but let me know tell me what tell me what Wisconsin is getting in the four-star guard out of Minnesota, who's going to be playing his senior year out in California. This to me is arguably Greg Gar's most significant recruiting victory since he took over from Bo Ryan during the middle of that 2015, 16 season, obviously assuming that free tag signs, which you'd have to feel pretty good about at this point. Um, he, you mentioned the previous recruits, none of them were guards. Uh, none of them have signed in the last 10 years. And this is somebody who had a, a tremendous opportunity to pick a bunch of different schools. His, his five finalists, which he released on Thursday were Wisconsin, Baylor, Minnesota, Notre Dame, and Virginia. Um, and I guess I'd start with this. What, what they're getting is a playmaker who can do a little bit of everything. If you watch his highlights, where he excels is downhill off the dribble. He is almost unstoppable at times, especially at the high school level. He gets a, a, a full head of steam going and he can score in a variety of ways. He likes the pick and roll. He's also able to dish to his teammates and get them open because he commands multiple defenders. What he did last season as a junior at Jefferson High in Bloomington, Minnesota is kind of ridiculous. He averaged 28.8 points, 9.9 rebounds, 4.1 assists. And his high school coach has been at that school for 38 years, had a couple other uh, future first round NBA draft picks that he coached, Cole Aldridge, Kevin Lynch. And I talked to uh, Daniel's coach earlier in the day, and he said that, uh, I mean, Daniel Freetag's scoring average was higher than either of those guys. Now, it's a, a little different setup for the team, but from a pure on-court standpoint, it's really the perfect situation for Freetag and also for Wisconsin because he gets to come in and be a freshman when Chucky Hepburn is a senior, learn from him for a year, and take the reins. And that's exactly what the Badgers needed. They definitely did. So what makes him, though, special? Because he's not just a, a very good basketball player i think we talked about this on the camp during spring ball he visited wisconsin he got an offer from wisconsin actually his the photos on his ig like if you go through his ig and, and i mean there's more photos of his football visits than there are basketball and i, I mean he had visited minnesota for bat for football he visited notre dame for football visited wisconsin for football got an offer from kansas state for football as well what makes him special right that's why he is to me one of the most intriguing prospects in the 2024 class uh, just in general because of his dual sport ability 
he's rated as the number one player in Minnesota uh, for basketball. And we can get into the fact he's going to California for a senior season to a prep school, but he was also rated by rivals as the number one football player and a four-star wide receiver in safety. He was excellent last season. He caught 37 passes for 500 yards with five touchdowns. They used him as a return man. They used him as a wildcat quarterback. He ran for over 200 yards in one game. And you mentioned the four offers that he had. If I'm not mistaken, I think this is the first guy that Wisconsin, in the, at least in the internet recruiting ranking era, has offered a scholarship to for both football and basketball. Uh, I, I'd heard Jacoby Brissett was another one, but I don't know if the basketball program offered him in the end. I can't, I, that's before my time. I know a football program was into it, but needless to say, this is a very rare, special type of athlete. And the interesting thing when I was talking to Daniel is that because the first story that I wrote about him was, are you going to choose football or basketball? And how do you make this decision? And I said, okay, so it seemed to me like basketball was always going to be the choice, but what was his process like? And he said he didn't actually decide that he was going to go with basketball over football until four days ago. <laughs> he said he'd been he'd been wanting to make the decision for six months. And so the fact that it just happened four days ago instead of six months ago showed how much time and effort he put into it. So that aspect is really intriguing. But the the I mean, the upside and the skill has been there for basketball for so long um, that that makes it especially unique. Gosh, what do you think he has better upside in? Where, where, what do you think the the higher level of of uh, where he could get to? Which sport do you think is right. his, would be his better sport? Well, that was part of the story that I wrote in March because when he played football, he suffered a season-ending injury in high school or in his, as an underclassman. And I think some people believed maybe because he – was he's 6'2", which I don't think is undersized, but maybe he'd have a, a higher ceiling as a football player, or could get to the pros easier there. But at the same time, one hit and your career can be over. Um, and I just think it's just really hard to ignore how talented he's been on the basketball court for his entire high school career. So any decision he made, I mean, his coaches were going to back him 100%. And I don't know how you could say he, he had a wrong choice. But this feels like the the natural progression of things, given how good he's been for a while. Um, and another point that I wanted to make, and I probably should have made this earlier, but I want to touch on Greg Gard and what this means for him, but also his ability to recruit. Because let's be real, Zach, since we've been doing the show in 2017 was the first year we've been doing it. How many times have we fielded questions or talked on the show about people questioning Greg Gard's ability to recruit? More than once? A lot. Right. A lot. I get those I mean, questions a lot. He wasn't a bad recruiter as an assistant coach, and he didn't get worse as a head coach. But I know that uh, there have been some classes and some situations where things didn't work out. He is the number one reason that that Daniel Freetag is coming to Wisconsin. And this, to me, was probably one of the most telling quotes that Daniel said to me. He said that uh, the, the number one thing was his relationship with guard. And he said, I feel like if guard was a football coach at Minnesota Duluth, I would have ended up at Minnesota Duluth. And he said, no shade to Minnesota Duluth, but that's how good of a relationship he he had with Greg guard that it wasn't necessarily, he doesn't look at it as like basketball winning over football. He looks at it like this is the guy that I developed the best relationship with and that I want to have around me for the next four or five years. And Greg also was the primary recruiter for Daniel during this process. Now, Joe Krabinoff also obviously had a big role in this, but Daniel said it is not very common. And certainly from his experience 
to have the lead recruiter be the head coach. And let's not forget that guard and Kramanoff saw something in free tag before anybody else did. They offered him at an advanced camp in June of 2021 when he was 15 years old, had no other offers, <laughs> no other interest from anybody. Now he was coming off a really good freshman season. He'd averaged 10.2 points per game, but Wisconsin was the first to see something in him. And I think that's really notable. So people, people who want to be guard haters and talk about the recruiting and guys that don't come through, he has dominated the state of Minnesota. Obviously, Free Tech, not the only Minnesota kid even coming in in this class or 2023. And to get a kid like Free Tech, it, it really says a lot about what he was able to do. I think you remember the spring practice we went to when just when about to mention that. showed up. Yeah, yeah. just about take, to mention take that. the floor. Take the floor. Well, no, I was, uh, you know. Free, free take came and he was with the football recruiting people and was walking down the sideline and it had stopped. And then Greg guard and Joe Krabinoff walked by and uh, excuse me, uh, Greg, Greg guard and Joe Krabinoff were ahead of him. And as they walked down, down Greg gave him like a wave and he came over and gave him a hug and they talked for yep. like five minutes. And I thought that was going to be it. Yep. It was not. Um, it, it ended up being later in the practice where they stood and talked for like the next 20 minutes, uh, if not more. And I think that really, is a great illustration of that relationship. That's exactly how I opened my story today about Daniel is, is that moment when he came out and, and I asked Daniel about that. And he said that that meant a lot to him and, and examples like that really added up. It wasn't obviously a coincidence that Greg was there, no. but he, he was going to use every opportunity that he possibly could to connect with, with free tag who visited campus or up to this point has visited campus. I think six times for basketball and his high school basketball coach told me that Greg came down last fall to watch a high school football practice. Now, being in the Minneapolis area, he also could obviously stop in on some of these other guys that he's got committed and now signed. But he made a point to, to watch Daniel. And then he and Kravinoff came back the next week to watch a high school football game. So they put in their time on this. They spent two years evaluating and developing a relationship with Freetag. And I just can't stress enough what a what a good job in this situation guard did to land a player of his caliber because guys like that they they do not come around very often i know wisconsin's had some other talented players and certainly at point guard but uh this is a really really good get for the badgers it definitely is uh he is not as you mentioned earlier playing his senior year in minnesota he's going out to california to play at what is it the southern California Institute or something like that. Southern California Academy. Academy, whatever. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I, I asked him about that, so I'm just gonna let him <laughs> take the floor on it. He said, "I mean, it's a pretty simple answer." He said, "The development is excellent there. I feel like in order to take my game to the next level, I needed a place where I could really develop." So, I mean, that's what he said about it. Can't fault a guy for that. I thought it was interesting when he did make that decision back in April. That is a school that did not offer football. And to me, that was the most telling yeah. thing about his future. But at the same time, at least this is what he said publicly, he had planned to train for football. And I do, I, I mean, got to take him at face value that he didn't actually make the decision to go forward with basketball in college until four days ago. But I thought that was a very telling decision and we'll see how it plays out for him. But increased competition certainly can't be a, a bad thing. On the other hand, you know, Minneapolis has some pretty damn good basketball as we've seen over the years. So uh, either way, he's such a good player that wherever he goes, he's he's going to be a star. It does have a a great basketball, like talent level in the in the Twin Cities. I don't think his team was ever very good. No, though. no, yeah. they lost. Was... I think their second round sectional game, and and they were not 
Yeah, they didn't have a very good record last season. So, I mean, yes, there is something to be said for that. Yeah, I mean, being the target of everybody <laughs> an entire season, that's fine. But it's it's like you're just making trying to make everybody else around you much, much better than they actually are. Well, perhaps, perhaps at the uh, cost of, of your development. So being out at a place maybe where there's a little bit more talent and you're not the focal point of you know, being triple teamed and that type of stuff, uh, I think probably is going to be good for him in the, in the long term. So that is the 2024 class that he's a part of. He is the second commit in that class, ja- joining Jack Robeson from Lakeville North, um, who Minnesota, they love their Lakeville guys. It, obviously, Nolan Winter, uh, a part of, of this class in the 2023 class. There's a couple more big boys out there, though, in the 2024 yep. class, Jesse. Um, and obviously, the biggest is Con Knepel out of Wisconsin Lutheran. He is absolutely tearing it up this summer for his uh, for his team in uh, the uh, EYBL. And I think he's the leading scorer at one point. He's average, averaging like 20-something a game and shooting like 47% from three. He's been just on an absolute tear that to me, obviously getting Daniel free tag is huge, but if he was able to pair two, they have now with con, it could be among the best classes they've ever had. No doubt about it. Because right now con is a four-star prospect. He's the number one player in Wisconsin. He's also expected to visit campus later this month. I think it's, it's just been a really kind of fascinating juxtaposition here because I can remember writing a column right after Wisconsin got, uh, the selection Sunday came and went and we all knew the Badgers weren't going to be a part of the NCAA tournament, just about like what, what the hell happened this season? They had good players and obviously they in retrospect overachieved early in the season, but it was kind of like, what, like, what does this mean for Greg guard and, and the future of the program? And obviously then they ended up going to the NIT semifinals, finished 20 and 15, but you look at the future now and the, the future of this roster, it's, it's really feels like is in very good shape. They've got, all five of the team starters coming back next season. They obviously added St. John's transfer guard, AJ store, who we can get into, but just strictly on the recruiting front, these next two classes have a chance to be outstanding. They've the, the three guys that are coming in here for this 2023, 24 season are, are Gus Yaldon, who's a, another big time recruiting win, a four star forward. They've got winter who you mentioned a three star combo guard and John Blackwell. And then that 2024 class is out there. You've, you've obviously got two in the boat for Minnesota. And if you can get con, that is just really, uh, really? the boat. Yeah. I, uh, can, I don't know what you, you're talking. Can you please, can you please rephrase? I refuse to rephrase and uh, rephrase. I don't even know why, why you're insinuating that I'm making a reference about anything else other than just a, a brief metaphor about getting people Ref- in the boat for Minnesota. Rephrase, sir. <clears throat> you have two Minnesotans uh, on board. There you go. The Gus bus. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're on, they're on the bus. <laughs> yeah, they're on the Gus bus. You just, I think, if you're a Badgers fan, you got to feel pretty good about the, you know, what the future can be. Yeah, it's 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 intriguing, and it's not obviously just uh, Con. They're also obviously after uh, uh, Ford Jackson McAndrew, um, who uh, is starting to uh, gain some some big time uh, plays. Well, he's the actually the number two player in the state of Minnesota behind free tag so and robeson who they already have committed is the number four player so potentially taking three of the top four players out of the state of minnesota would be uh quite the coup if they were actually able to do it it's an it, again it's an intriguing opportunity for for greg guard but just if you were to add just to be able to add con 
and put it if if it ends up just being those three, it still has to be one of the better classes that they've ever landed. Because uh, Khan yeah, would Khan would be would jump obviously uh, is higher rated than Daniel and would be in the top five of all time at Wisconsin as well. Yeah, the the possibilities are certainly out there. Um, and you got to go do it on the floor, but it's it's harder than ever, I think, to get these top level kids uh, at at a at anywhere, especially at a place like Wisconsin, given the proliferation of AU basketball and the fact that you can go anywhere. So we'll see. But it's it's off obviously to a very good start. And another point that I want to mention, by the way, about a free tag is, and this is noteworthy too. If you look at how Wisconsin recruited in the class. They did not offer any other point guard. And that is something that uh, that Freetag said was another important part of this process because they were true to their word. It, they really, they went all in on Freetag. They showed them. And I don't, obviously, yeah. who knows what would have happened if they didn't get him. You're in a hell of a spot. But yes. these, this is this is kind of the the how it works in recruiting. You know, you, you sometimes you take a gamble and you swing for the fences and, and you hit a home run. And that certainly appears what's happened right now. But, but he said that was a big part of this puzzle too, is you, you value, I mean, if you're any recruit, but especially someone in free tax position where you can just go anywhere, you evaluate the roster and see how can I fit in? And, and that's a big part of this too, is they, they went after him and nobody else for two years. And uh, I mean, that takes a lot of discipline, but it obviously paid off in a big way. Um, and I, I, this is sort of an aside, but when I was talking to Daniel's high school coach, who again has been there for four decades and has had a couple other NBA players, he said um, he remembered getting a manual from a, a former t- Minnesota Timberwolves assistant coach about how to guide high school players into the college recruiting process, process. And one of the big bullet points there was studying the roster and taking a look at are these coaches offering guys at your position uh so that was definitely a big talking point in this process and and one of the things he mentioned was cole aldridge who ended up going to kansas and and that i should say that's how greg garden and um free tags high school coach developed a relationship because back when garden was an assistant for Bo, he was recruiting cole aldridge at the same high school that free tags now at but aldridge had gotten i think an offer from north carolina and uh, they were they were reaching out to multiple guys at the same position and kind of turned Aldrich off. And so I, I do think that's kind of an interesting part of this recruiting process too, is making a commitment to somebody and sticking with it in that way. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So yeah, the recruiting aspect of this is, and obviously the 2025 class has several big time players in the state of Wisconsin that they, uh, that Wisconsin is, is hot after as you would expect, but also national programs uh, coming after as well. And I know I don't want to make this entire show be about, recruiting because uh, there is a season coming up and one that's going to be significant for Greg guard, no doubt after how things played out last year. But I do feel like this, if they were able to to win some of these recruiting battles heading into this year, it certainly leaves things in a much better spot for them. If they maybe don't, maybe if they're not back at the top of the big 10, you know, the future, you feel like the future is going to be in a good spot. Do you think, yeah, would, you, would, would you agree with that? I look at it like it gives you a little bit more rope. Uh, you know, if you're if your recruiting classes are crumbling and you've got nothing on the horizon and you don't have a very good season, that doesn't leave a, a very good taste in people's mouth. But if, if you I mean, yes, you you can show what you've done on the recruiting trail and you can say, OK, it was a down year, but look who we have coming in. Uh, I mean, that's obviously very important. And I I think Wisconsin is going to very quickly be able to pull itself together, given the personnel that it has on the roster for next season. Yeah, for sure. The the two guys I was mentioning uh, in the 2025 class, Davion Hanna out of Nicolay and uh, Kai Rogers from Wauwatosa, um, both of those guys 
high, high players. Both of them are top 60 players in the country and the one, two um, guys in the, uh, in the state. So going to have to, to fight for them, but that's, uh, that's not today. Today is about getting Daniel free take in the bucket, um, <laughs> not on the boat or anything like crazy like that. Real quickly before uh, we do get going here, since we talked, some good things happened. Uh, Tyler Wall decided to return. AJ Store decided to come on. You know, Chucky Hepburn decided to stick around, despite there being some some push from uh, some other schools to potentially get uh, him out of Madison. So it turned out to be a very productive offseason. Um, and I'm I'm wondering, and now I'm looking at the schedule though, Jesse. I'm looking mm-hmm. at the I'm looking at the schedule, and obviously it's these way too early top twenty fives, but their schedule could include six or seven top twenty five teams right now, including maybe four or five in the top ten, depending on how everything plays out. When you look at Michigan State, you look at Arizona, you look at Tennessee, you look at Marquette, you look at Purdue. I mean, all five of those teams could start in the top ten at this point. I mean, this is the type of team that I think will be able to handle anything. It's you love a schedule like this. I mean, I I certainly would prefer this. They've they've got a team that's really been through everything, uh, and so I'm really excited to see what happens this season. Like there are there are some years that are more exciting than others. Some years where you think it's going to be a rebuilding year, and and again, even though this team disappointed last season, it feels like there's a lot of pieces in place and a lot of really. I think reason to be op- optimistic about what's possible, but some of those early games can be very telling of, of what can happen on the other side. Sometimes not right. Like they were, <laughs> they were, they were great last season. They lost the KU by one point and then they just, um, they just disappeared from the face of the earth at, at critical stretches in big 10 play. But I, I, I feel like, and sometimes we automatically assume that just because guys are older, they're going to be better. Um, and yeah. that doesn't always happen. But I, I do I do feel like with this roster, if they can be healthy, they've got something really good going. And and I mean, you know what you have in Connor Seijan, a Seijan right off the bat. And you added a guy like A.J. Store, who's a Big East all-freshman team player last season. I, I think it, it's just very exciting. It is very exciting. And again, I think Wisconsin probably is, ends up being like a fringe top 25 team coming into the year. But those early challenges, I mean, they're, they're opening the season against Tennessee. Uh, they're going to Arizona. They're going to have uh, potentially potentially some challenges down in that that Fort Myers tournament. They're going to play Marquette. They go to Providence. These are all, I think, going to be significant tests, and I'm I'm excited to see how it plays out. What do you think uh, here on June second, the starting <laughs> this, the starting five looks like? Because we know the importance of Max Klesman and what he did for the team last year, but could he end up being a guy off the bench? you know, with AJ store in town. Gosh, it's so hard to know. Um, Klesman yeah. and we, as we've talked about, he does so many of those little things that are exactly what guard wants and Wisconsin needs. Um, but he strikes me as the kind of guy, obviously we know how badly he wanted to be a part of Wisconsin's basketball program um, that would be willing to do anything. And like we talked about last season, you had Jordan Davis started and Connor Seijan coming off the bench and then vice versa. You, you do need a spark right off the bench. So it's not a bad situation to have that to me pretty clearly feels like the top six. I do wonder what, what, what can we expect from Gus Yaldon? It's a very highly rated yeah. kid. He's like what? Six, nine, um, six, nine and, and looking and looking felt. 
Look at Svelte yeah, in his well, workouts. Get him in, I don't know. Get him into the program here. Like, like that again, that was one of the that's one of the big things with him was he, he kind of they, they you know, baby Jokic, that type of stuff, where there was some baby fat on him, and they thought maybe that might be an issue. But I I he seems to want to work. He's he put in a lot of work here, you know, leading into it appears, I should say, he put in a lot of work leading into him arriving on campus in June. So between him and Nolan Winter, they still didn't add the the backup big that we all think they need, right? Yes. They were, un, they were unable to do that. They were unable to find a guy that wanted to play 10 minutes, 15 minutes, play the 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 Chris Vogt role. And that's unfortunate, which means you would you would hope that maybe one of those other two, whether it's Nolan Winter or Gus Yaldin are able or ready to to give some minutes up front. Of those two, which one do you think? Because I feel like Nolan may need a little bit more time in the weight room. Like Nate Nate Reavers was kind of in the same vein when he came in. He needed he needed more time in the weight room before he was thrown in, but they needed him because they were dealing with with injuries there and, and didn't have guys that uh could play. So you had to throw him into the mix, him and Brad. Brad was obviously more ready, but you know, they threw Nate into it and he held his own. But he could he could have used that redshirt year for for something, wouldn't you say? Yeah, <laughs> they would have had him for a, another season. Some people may be grumbling about that based on the way things ended, but it's sometimes you're just at the mercy of the circumstances. But, but again, I'm I'm just talking about throwing a guy that maybe isn't ready physically into it because you you need it. And um, Nolan would feel like a very similar type of throwing him into the mix type of thing as you got with Reavers. Well, obviously, to me. I mean, there's a few factors here. It's got to come down to production, but it's also a matter of trust. And that was going to be, but before you mentioned it, I I did want to say that that's still my biggest question about this team. It's the same question we had last season is what do you do when some, when Steven Crowell gets in foul trouble or uh, you just, there's not a lot there in terms of productivity and maybe Carter Gilmore takes another big step forward. They obviously relied on him significantly. He played in every game last season. He averaged 19 minutes a game. He started three times but he didn't give you a ton to kind of fill out the the stat sheet and the box score. So I do think that's still a role that feels open to me. Um, and it is, if, if you're a Wisconsin fan, it's unfortunate that uh, they could not add there because that was a, a position of need. I do think uh, one more thing on just what guard was able to do. We haven't mentioned the fact that they got Noah Reynolds committed and then out of the transfer portal, and he ended up at Green Bay, which made sense, had a, a brother there, I think. And uh, and they still managed to get someone of very high quality who's going to be a major contributor in store. Yeah, that whole situation was messed up. Yeah. But <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while since we did a show, so it's at least we're, worth noting no, what it's, a wild couple months it's been. It's it's worth noting. It's also kind of feel like it's a bit – it's a, it's a little BS on his part. It's a little bit of BS on his part because <laughs> he had an opportunity. Like his brother was uh, named an assistant coach there prior to him announcing his commitment to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So it's not like something changed on that front. It was like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, I think the AJ store thing may have played a role, but him him holding on to it, even allowing them to announce that he was going to be there and then to pull the plug and uh, go to Green Bay. And I hope he has a great career at Green Bay, but it's possible. I don't know that he may have. Uh, hurt their efforts in in adding some other potential players out of the portal. I'm not saying that there's anybody specifically out there that they could have added, but him being committed for those several weeks, right at the time that people were, you know, when it was really the hottest points of uh, the portal, 
it's really tough, really tough. Uh, if you're, if you're Wisconsin again, I don't, I know that they are still kicking the tires on, on some guys. So maybe this isn't the final final roster at this point, but I don't want to do Carter Gilmore questions for another. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just I don't. You. And it's, and it's not <laughs> Carter's fault. It's not Carter's fault. He is. I think he's played better than I think a lot of people thought he would. Uh, and certainly played more than people thought he would, but he's not a five. He's not. And I don't know. You know, I don't think certainly don't think Nolan's a five true five and, and Gus is a little bit shorter, but so again, it's, you're going to be counting on Stephen Crowell to play a ton of minutes and uh, you're, you're hopeful that he's uh, up and ready for it, but it's going to be an interesting year. It's going to be an, an interesting year. You have a lot of proven pieces. You have other guys that are going to come in that you're going to be expected to take on roles of some form, but I'm, I'm excited for basketball, but it's still five months away. So we'll talk about it when we get there. Yeah, um, that's yeah. fair, but it gave us four, something. four hey. plus months. It gave us something in June, a little jolt here with uh, a high-level recruit coming in, and and finally we got a better understanding. Well, we did before this, but a better understanding of what the roster is going to look like next season. Because when we last left it, there were a lot of things in flux, and obviously Jordan Davis left, and uh, some other guys decided to come back. But all in all, got to feel pretty good uh, about where Wisconsin is roster-wise coming into next season, other than not having a another true backup as a big man. Yeah, I don't – Maybe maybe Chris Hodges takes a step, but he, even he isn't like a true big. I, it's tough. It's it's going to be tough. And now Zach Eady's back. Ugh. Who's who's going to have been in the Big Ten longer, Zach Eady or Brad Davison? Because I, oh well, uh, Brad Davison was a senior by the end of his true freshman year, so I've got to go with <laughs> Davison. But just I mean, Purdue went from like a maybe a top twenty team to a top five team. With Zach Eady back, got Hunter Dickinson, the man who shall not be named, but now that he's no longer in the Big Ten, will be named at Kansas. How are you feeling about that? Man, you're, I you're loving it. You're loving it. I'll be honest. I stopped following Kansas a long time ago. Maybe I just got too old or maybe I'm just too grizzled <laughs> as a sports writer, but uh, it makes for entertaining television and uh, I'm here for it. So uh, so they're, they are among the teams that are in consideration for the number one team in the country. Um, certainly Duke is there as well. The Big Ten, the Big Ten, the Big Ten obviously you have Purdue, and I think Purdue is going to be the overwhelming favorite. Maybe Michigan State challenges them. But then it's going to be almost exactly like it was last year, or, or so it feels, where there's from 2 to 10, maybe 2 to 11, 2 to 12, there's not a ton that separates a lot of them. Do you think yeah. Wisconsin, do you think, I shouldn't say two, Three to twelve. Where do you think Wisconsin fits in that mix? And I know it's it's tough. It's June. Rosters aren't set yet. But is it? Do you feel like it's going to be something similar to last year? Well, I'm looking at my uh, colleague Seth Davis's college basketball top twenty five for next season because I haven't studied this at all. <laughs> He's got. Oh, it's June. Well, yeah, that is true. So I guess I have a right to not have studied it. But he has yep. Michigan State at two. Uh, I don't even know what other Big Ten teams are in here. But uh, I don't think there are like like Maryland was one a fringe top 25 team. Wisconsin was a fringe top 25 team. I, I don't think that there are too many other teams that are considered considered to be, you know, challengers or even, you know, but I, I imagine. In the mix from. 26 to 50. Yeah, quite a few he, Big Ten teams in there. This was before Zach Eady came back. So even before they had Purdue at 15, and I imagine now he probably has him at two or something like that. But I think Ohio State was the only other team that he had in his 
top 25. So I, where do I think Wisconsin will be once before they play a game? This really feels to me like a season where they ought to be in the top four just because of that experience. I know we've made this mistake before because a handful of years ago they had a bunch of experience and kind of fell off at the end. But uh, I, there's just a lot of pieces here. Now, if they stay healthy, it feels like a season where they should be one of the better Big Ten teams this year. I, is it too much of a stretch to say there's no excuse for them not to be? No, you're running it back, right? You're you're running it back. You're you're banking on the fact that that eleven to two start to the season is more indicative of the team than it was down the stretch. More indicative of a team that blew double digit leads how many times or didn't score double digit for a double digit amount of time. Like that, I did. That just can't happen again. Like as much as they as as good as they were in close games in 2021-22, right, where they yeah. went a ridiculous record when it was in single digits. And they weren't bad last year by any stretch, but it went back the other way a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this the, the blowing of huge leads and the not scoring, like, you just, that can't happen again, even though I think as if you're a Wisconsin fan, you're like, yeah, you've been probably saying that for the last 20 years. But it, it, you would feel like maybe the pendulum swings back Wisconsin's way a little bit. And maybe they're a little bit more productive offensively and again not having a guy that could challenge consistently to get to the rim on his own with a wing like he had with Johnny the previous year I feel like AJ Storm maybe gives you that a little bit we'll see and I'm also expecting better finishing from from Connor Seijan who uh, kind of fell off the map towards the end of the season last year uh, maybe a freshman wall and that's what it is but Big year, big year. I exp- and maybe Tyler Wall. You get the Tyler Wall bounce back season after uh, a really big time struggle around the basket last year. Maybe he goes back to what he was the previous year. And and Stephen Crow, the second best big man in the Big Ten. Could you see that? Yeah, I certainly can. I mean, he even though it didn't come together, that might be as a stretch a little bit, but might be a little bit season, of a stretch. I mean, he made a big jump in his junior he, season. Huge, he did. Huge he was jump. second huge. on the team in scoring, twelve point one points per game. It was Had just near forty game. Yeah, it was just, yeah, where for a minute it looked like he might challenge Frank Kaminsky's record. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I think there's a lot to feel good about. And Chucky Hepburn, too, another guy we haven't mentioned, who was kind of off and on, but I just expect all five of these guys to take a big step forward and you throw in A.J. Storr, and that to me is your top six, and you get a few minutes from Kamari McGee off the bench at point, presumably. Uh, Maybe Gus Yaldon, that's what? That's eight guys right there, and whoever your backup big man is, whether it's Carter Gilmore or someone else, that almost... Well, it's real early, but that feels like what the rotation could be, something along those lines. Yeah. Looking forward to it. We've got a lot going on before we get to that, though. So we'll be back the next time there's there's big basketball news. We'll be back. Uh, if not, then we'll be back in October. But plenty of football to get to before then, listening to the camp. And, uh, yeah, Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right. There he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Swing.